you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast is searching in the garbage for Bridget 2.0. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. I like a lot what Rick Holiday just did right there. We were gabbing away, about to go off on our fourth or fifth topic, and she just starts the show. Bang, you have no choice, but you cannot, you cannot turn back at that point. Quick snap. <laughs> I didn't appreciate it. As the host, I, I had some more things to set up, like my timer. No, you did And also get in the right headspace. You knew exactly when we were starting. I did a mic check. I go, you ready? I'm going to hit it. And then you guys started talking about, I'm not going to pull up the curtain here. Pull back the curtain. No, pull up the curtain. Okay. You're good to have an up curtain. Well, on, on the broadcast, we say pull up the skirt. And lift up, you know. Inappropriate. Let's right. close the kimono for a minute here. Yeah. <laughs> nice nice way to get the plug in there. Yeah, check that out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your <laughs> podcasts. Um, by the way, so, so, no joke, someone said this to me, Erica. Mm-hmm. I was speaking with a member of the NFL media team. Mm-hmm. He works in a department um, in the realm of videography. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about our upcoming London trip, which mm-hmm. is a few weeks away now, a couple weeks away. Oh, yeah. And um, we will be there two weeks from today. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and we were talking about staffing, who's going to be with us. And I said, so is it only, is Erica doing like the bulk of the behind the scenes work? And this individual said, yeah, it's like you guys could use another body. And I mean, Erica, she's like talent anyway. So mm. really? Someone said that. How about that? pretty cool. Yeah. You know, I I really need to stop doing everything so well because I'm the only one going. And it's like I have to do all the video. I have to do everything. Oh, you know what? Somehow you'll survive. I don't know if I will. Free trip to London? I mean, if there was one like burning takeaway last year was that two two people might not have been enough help. Right. So reducing it down to one feels... Yeah. uh, Plus, last year, last year it was before Erica had risen up to talent. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, Will you even be willing yeah. to do the grunt work at this stage? You know, sometimes Dan, you gotta you gotta be able to separate. And so, um, actually, I'm getting approached to do stuff for your power ranking show when we're over there too. So, not only am I talent, but I'm producing 400 things as well. God, you are a magical woman. Thank you so, so very much. I cry myself to sleep every night. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Um, All right. Let's get into today's show, the Tuesday edition of the Around the NFL podcast, sponsored by no one, because we don't answer to anybody of us. We're beholden. Beholden. To no one. Or, well, well, until they tell us the sponsors slide in and we just comply without any issues at all. Or until the media group, you know, figures out how to, you know, monetize a hugely successful international podcast. I've found out that when you're married, that your days of being beholden to no one are just over. You just fall in line with society from now on. And just wait till kids enter the picture. Oh, I'm done. June, June, June. (laughs) June gloom for Chris Wessling coming up in 2020 and beyond. All right. Today's show. Uh, This is, this is good. This is, uh, you know, 
the season has been defined in part by starting quarterbacks going down with injuries and in one case an illness and other um, unheralded players having to rise up and take over the most important position in the sport. So we're going to kind of take a spin through uh, and check in on each of those quarterbacks, those backups that are now starters in a segment we like to call Hold the Fort Ellipses or Hold on to your butts. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> I like that butts is... There was a time, I would say, about 10, 15 years ago where butts was kind of losing heat in terms of... Uh, uh, in society, in the nomenclature. Until you brought back hot butts. Uh, and I feel like butts is really coming on strong again. And it, we're having a butt moment a little bit. Maybe Samuel Jackson helped like bring it, it back in Jurassic Park. Right, it, back in 1993. <laughs> yeah, that's... Always, yeah. always current with our pop culture But that references. was peak butt. 93 was peak butt. <laughs> And then it kind of went away, and everybody was like, ass and booty and all okay, that. Okay, you're saying garbage. more just well, as a say, word, not as a phenomenon. No doubt. I feel like booty, the booty took over. No, no, no. Phenomenon has always been no, no. going strong. Yeah. It's, Everything not, comes it's back after 20 years, right? I'm just saying the word, the word, butt, is back in a big way. Boots overtaking butt, booty, or butts over, excuse what the hell? <laughs> butts overtaking booty is, that's a major uh, moment for jargon. Big jargon. Good jargon talk. Save it for the jargon <laughs> please, podcast. Please cut that for us, Erica. Please. Uh, anyway. She doesn't have time for that stuff anymore. <laughs> uh, we'll also uh, preview Thursday Night Football, a look ahead to the beginning of week four. Wow, we are rolling. Eagles at Packers. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we'll hit some news. But before we do that, we wrap up week three with some Monday Night Football. Shotgun snap is back, Bears, and a stunt with Mack. Here's the throw down the side. Oh, it's intercepted, and it's taken away by the Bears. Ha-ha. Clinton Dix on the run inside the 10 to the 5. He is in for the touchdown. Pick 6. Bears on the board and lead it 6-0. Jeff Joniak with the call. WBBM, the Chicago Bears defense, was... As dominant as advertised in the first half of uh, the Monday night matchup at FedEx Field in Washington, uh, putting uh, the Bears uh, in a giving the Bears a 31 to 15 win over the Washington Redskins, a game that in addition to that haha Clinton Dix um, turnover interception run back for a touchdown, four more turnovers created, five total, all charged to Case Keenum, who had a very rough night and on the quarterback side of the ball for the Bears. Progress for Mitch Trubisky, who didn't light things up, Chris Wessling, on Monday night, but statistically, he threw three touchdowns. Uh, he seemed to get comfortable. They took the foot off the pedal in the second half, but it was absolutely a game of progress for the Bears' offense and their quarterback. It's nice to have great field position when you're a struggling quarterback, and he started, by my count, 24 of 28 for about 225 yards and three touchdowns before that goal line interception to Josh Norman, where he just needed about another foot or two on the Mm -hmm. fade. Um, If he plays like that, they'll win the division, but everybody plays like that against the Redskins. Hmm. So I think he put the doubts to rest for a week. I I mean, he didn't put the doubts to rest, really. People are going to continue to doubt the Bears, but he gave himself a little bit of a breathing room, whereas everybody was breathing down his neck in the first two games. He's got to stack a few of these games, then. Yes. They, They did what they have to. But when you don't gain 300 yards against, you know, one of the worst defenses in the league, you don't get any lollipops. I mean, Sorry. I mean, they did what they had to. They got out of head. It's, it's hard 28 to get, nothing. And they, I, I get right. it. When you get the, the ball in the other team's territory, you're not racking up yards. I get it. But to, for instance, yeah, one of those 
touchdown drives was four yards. They had another um, drive where they got the ball basically in Redskins territory. They didn't do anything with it. You know, it was fine. But they started the game with two punts and you ended with under 300 yards against the Redskins. They got the job done. You you move on. You didn't learn a ton. I I couldn't agree more, Greg, that I, I and I've been real tough on Trubisky and the Bears in general, and this was a Bears dream game, dream type of scenario where your defense is going to score a touchdown, put you up early, generate nonstop chaos for the opposing quarterback, and you come out of it, like you said, Dan, thinking, oh, maybe we're okay with, with Mitch Trubisky in a game where, like every game, they're going to mention over and over that this front office, uh, they don't have to talk about it, but they drafted him ahead of Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, and the game opened when Trubisky overthrew a couple guys and threw some bad passes early. And I understand he got he cleaned it up down the stretch, no doubt, but the big narrative was that they came away from talking with Chicago's coaching staff that they had to simplify this playbook, take a lot off Trubisky's plate, and we're talking about a third-year starting quarterback who is still sort of a work in progress, to say the best, when other quarterbacks around the league are shining at at a much earlier time. So it is progress, I guess, but I really think it's more just hold off the conversation for another week. I, I think it's a little misleading to point to the counting stats in this game and say, oh, they still have a long way to go because I think they, they, they were perfectly, they were good in the first half on offense and that the final yeah. pass he threw in the first half was a beautiful ball to Taylor Gabriel who had three touchdowns in this game before going out with a concussion. And I kind of put it more on Nagy and the Bears coaching staff, who really, almost to the point where the Redskins almost got back into this game in the second half, if not for another Keenum interception, they did not, they stopped being aggressive. So I, I, I kind of stick a pin in it at half of this game, and then I want to see what Trubisky Smart does move. next. <laughs> well, aggressive is the right word, because going into this game, I think Trubisky was dead last in yards per attempt and yards per completion. They just weren't going down the field at all. And I think the other question you have to ask, even after this game, which a lot of things went right, where are the big plays to Tariq Cohen, who was the engine who made this offense go last year? It, it was good to see their defense you know, come up with those big plays. Not that it's surprising to to see it, but th- this is kind of how they've won games last year was Nagy cooking up fairly easy throws, but I don't feel bad, you know, harping on those stats. You know, when I, I went to check the PFF grades from this game, just curious, Trubisky was one of the lowest ranked quarterbacks of the week because he missed a lot of throws because he took a couple sacks and because the offense ultimately scored 17 points I mean, they're, on they're, their they're own. Lucky there he, did, he did his job. but yeah, Wasn't Jacoby Brissett also one of the lowest ranked quarterbacks of the week? Yeah. He was it. Was well, I mean, it's not PFF's best week for quarterback ranking. They're lucky Trubisky that. didn't take a, a safety very early in this game. It was not a great start, and I thought that he came around and he did enough to think you can win 10, 11 games if the defense plays this way and Trubisky is not forced to put the entire game on his back. I just don't personally... That's you're going to get bit at some point. They're going to get bit and going to get knocked out. They're not. This is not the '85 Bears because that doesn't exist in this league anymore. Where your quarterback can throw for 175 yards a game. Let's shift over to the Washington side of this. Um, as I said, Keenum five turnovers, and he had played pretty well the first couple of weeks of the season and was farther uh, furthest from their problems. Their defense was the big issue issue in their 0 and 2 start. Uh, but after a five turnover game, a game in which you fall to 0 and 3 a game in which 
it sounded like 60 or 70% of the fans there were rooting for the visiting team at FedEx Field. It is a low point for the Washington franchise, a franchise that really needs a shot in the arm. The most logical shot in the arm is the guy you picked in the first round of the most recent draft. That's a quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. So naturally, after the game, uh, Jay Gruden, whose butt is on fire right now, speaking of butts, uh, was asked, is it Haskins time? He was asked, is it Haskins time? I mean, strange response. Public. Not really, no. I think that the most important thing is we have to have some continuity. You know, I can't be changing people every five minutes here. So I think Case, I got to give Case another uh, an ample opportunity to play with these new guys. I mean, this is his first time in this offense, really. You know, um, Donald Penn, Eric Flowers, their first time in this offense. You know, Terry, Trey Quinn only played two games last year. I made this point before we're not going to be perfect but we need to be better and I think we can get better otherwise if I didn't think we had a chance to get better then I would make a change but I feel like Case has the tools to be become a very efficient quarterback in this offense and get us some victories here um, moving forward. Wes that was the first time I've actually heard that and he almost he kind of caught himself there he seemed to be he seemed to say he was going to give him one more start and then he corrected himself and he's going to give him more time. It can't be much more than that because what does Jay Gruden and the Redskins have to lose at this point? Well, there's two things going on here. Case Keenum, unlike some other quarterbacks in the league, did not run himself into pressure last night. He had Khalil Mack hanging on his arm every throw. What are you going to do? I mean, that wasn't on the quarterback, the pressure he was facing. Now, the decisions he made because of the pressure is on him, but that pressure is going to affect any quarterback that the Redskins play. And Dwayne Haskins was clearly not ready a month ago. Does that mean he's ready now? I doubt it. They talked about Dwayne Haskins in a place right now where he's still learning to go through an NFL week of preparation. Uh-oh. And, and yeah, that shouldn't be the worst thing for a rookie. That's been true of others, but I just think that he does not feel that putting Haskins out there into the fire is necessarily going to give you better results than a milquetoast Case Keenum. I mean, any, any, don't try to sell us Case Keenum either, but the Redskins have been trying to sell us something subpar for a very long time now, and it's crazy to me that the Redskins in general don't generate a lot more target fire than they do for running the team the way they, they have from that front office on down. It's ridiculous. Their offense has not improved at, at all point, from a year they're ago. off the radar, which is for Redskins fans who you know, saw them win three Super Bowls in a little over a decade. It's hard to believe this is, should be one of the you know, NFL jewel franchises, and yet they're, they're pretty far off the radar. And the situation where Jay Gruden maybe didn't want Dwayne Haskins, you know, this is where it comes home to roost, where you're hearing these whispers about Haskins, which may be true or not. And you can put two and two together of how those whispers get out there and the front office and ownership might want one thing eventually and they'll get what they want. I mean, it's just a matter of time. They play the Patriots in a couple of weeks. I, I don't know. Maybe they're waiting. So you to... put Haskins behind that offense. Right, I'm not saying I it's mean... a good idea even. I don't know. It's just a, it's just a mess. Yeah, it is a mess. You draft a guy to hide him though? That doesn't happen in the NFL anymore. But I don't. They, no, that's they, why they I say it's a matter of time. They also didn't draft him knowing that he would be a quick or student or not a quick student, and it doesn't sound like he's picked up the offense like some sort of Robotron character in five or six hours. Meanwhile, it's Trent, a little bit longer. Meanwhile, Trent Williams is really just hanging out there, just kind of forgot. Everyone's forgotten about this <laughs> all-pro left tackle. He is off the grid. Just hanging one, out with Melvin Gordon. One good thing, scary Terry impresses me every oh, week. Yeah. Terry McLaurin. He, he might be the best of all these rookie receivers. Wow. Uh, was he even drafted? 
third round. round. But he was third billed round. as like the best special teams prospect that you'll ever see in a draft. And it turns out he might have been the best receiver instead. Where are you on tight end Jeremy Sprinkle, whose name oh came up way God. more times than I needed last night? And has- Don't throw the ball to him anymore, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do some news. Sprinkle takes a strike. And ironically, being my one of my ex, uh, old coworkers took the ladder off the off the truck, raised it up, and was assisting people down. My man just started throwing babies out the window. Wow. We was catching them, unlike Aguilar. <laughs> Speaking of catching a strike, Nelson Aguilar, the Eagles receiver, who has had some issues with drops and ball security early this season. That was a uh, Philadelphia resident who was involved um, with a uh, fire. Uh, within the city limits that led to a, a brave individual going into a room with babies and tossing the babies out the window and the babies being caught. And shout out to Nelson Aguilar, who gets put on blast wildly uh, leading off the 6 o'clock news and invites that man and his family uh, to an upcoming Eagles fan, uh, game. So good on Nelson. One quick note on that, because we get to talk about football endlessly. If suddenly you're just a working man and you're in part of a rescue effort and you find yourself on the six o'clock news for probably the only time in your entire life, got to get your football commentary in there where you can. I don't like that he took El Aguilar down that way, but you've got to use that moment. And I thought it was an aware bit of broadcasting by I, the rescue man. The new bagel boss potential. I love it. I love, I mean, he just slid that in there. Like it was so <laughs> natural. It was he after it midnight in. at the time. He also, he it looked also, right at the camera while he was saying it. There was that look of kind of disgust. Like, you know what I'm talking about. I also wanted, like how many babies we talking. The way it sounded like it was like, yeah, it's like a nursery. Six, six, seven at a time. It was like, it was like fly he might ball have, He might have pumped that stat up know, just a little it's bit. It's like Papa shot. I know you you guys don't care yeah. and I know he made that drop but he still did get 22 points in fantasy this week so he still was you know he, he's yes. not terrible but it's because Carson Wentz has no one else to throw to so he keeps on pumping it into the guy who can't catch the ball right. well two touch you don't think you're going to score two touchdowns in an NFL game when you're 10 years old and then get right. assassinated on the 6 o'clock news <laughs> well That's maybe not a baby's a, easier right. to catch than football I don't think you know that seems unlikely well, there's more to grab onto. There's arms, there's legs. Sentient being versus <laughs> right. an object. you need the lighting. Well, you got the fire coming off the building. <laughs> All right. Um, a lot more pressure with a baby. Let's, exactly. let's check in on some big injury news here. Cam Newton, who we know was shut down after re-aggravating a foot injury. Well, we have a problem here because Tom Pelissero of NFL Network reported Tuesday uh, that the Panthers quarterback is believed to be dealing with, oh, that harlot, that wretched woman. Liz Frank. She's back. Oh, she is a terrible woman. It's a Liz Frank injury he's dealing with in the arch of his foot. And as we know, the Liz Frank injury is very rarely good news for an NFL player. The plan for now for Newton is to continue rehabbing and avoid surgery, uh, but he could be sidelined for some time. Uh, Perhaps ominously, Ron Rivera, who ruled out Newton quickly on Monday, and announced Kyle Allen to be starting again, uh, did not put a timetable on Newton's recovery, which, yes, again, points to this potentially being a, len- a lengthy absence. Mm. The the Redskins medical staff has taken some heat uh, for mismanaging their players, Trent Williams. How about the Panthers kind of having the exact same problem that they had with Cam Newton just two years ago where they rushed him back to the field to Quickly, he ended up not playing too well with his shoulder injury, and it became a bigger issue long term. He hurt this foot in the third week of the preseason. It seemed like a fairly serious injury at the time. 
And they, of course, he wants to be back on the field, and he got back on the field for week one. And there's no official uh, report of when he reheard it, but it sounds like it was early in the second quarter of week one. I mean, they they regret, they have to regret that decision that they rushed him back, and it's now going to hurt his season. I'm with Mark. I feel like there is a chance, there's a huge house cleaning coming with the Carolina Panthers and it might just include medical staff if this ends up being a situation where they brought him back too soon and your franchise star in a pivotal season in his career wrecks his foot not a good look to Greg's point it feels like deja vu it's like we've done we've seen these stories with the Panthers sort of over now what if he were to resort at some point to platelet rich injections Greg where Please. are you, where are well, you with that, well, on that sandwich prop You're, I, I haven't you, heard one that yeah. was a long way to go in the season. There were whispers of Let one. Check, go get your lunch. I want to get the specifics of that. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I said there would be more PRPs, platelet-rich plasma injections or whatever in the season than uh, Cardinals victories. Well, I think it's tied 0-0 right now. Oh, you're doing fine. Um, the tie helped you out. A couple 49ers fans have sent me some stuff, but... Uh, as, a, as a man of integrity, outlet. they were referring to uh, Jarek McKinnon and D Ford. The, the surgery has been mentioned, uh, but those guys got it in the preseason before I put this out there. So I have not seen one happen in the regular season. And mm. Just for bookkeeping, and again, Nick Fortier at GoGetMyLunch.org. Uh, Mark and Wes took you up on this, Greg. I stayed away. Well, right now it's zero zero. <laughs> I like that you stayed away. <laughs> it seems like a suicide no, mission. Now I have to root for the Cardinals every week because it was too murky, and I didn't. I don't like murky. Remember, Ricky, I had asked you to reach out to all the major news outlets. Yeah, uh, I'm tracking it uh, just to make sure <laughs> we have everyone accounted for. Yeah, TMZ said, uh, "Get a hobby, Dan." <laughs> ouch! 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 Nailed it. TMZ all right. is who Erica thinks immediately as the best news source. Kind of Better than your NFL.com articles. Oh! <laughs> Don't do news articles. <laughs> you know, I, I have to speak on this. I do feel like since uh, the Greg Rosenthal Vanity Project with the comedian friend, since that has ramped up and Ricky's become talent on that show, the relationship between Greg and Ricky seems to be deteriorating before our very eyes. Mm. Everyone else picking that up? I mean, or peeking. I mean, in, from a different angle. I mean, in terms of, you know, show content and, so. you know, content. I don't think that would have, uh, I mean, she, she, her role has stayed the same throughout on that. So okay. I, don't, I, I don't think it would, Are you, it would change. Erica, is your relationship with Greg good right now? Yes or no? I no. would say medium. <laughs> See? See, the Zeuser. <laughs> no, it's because the, could pick up medium. the closer we get, the more Greg feels like he can, like, talk to me in a specific way. You know what I mean? Mm. Yes. So the closer like we sister, get, but you're yeah, closer. But, but we're close, but that doesn't, you know, he doesn't ha- excuse he, some of his behavior. He's more you. comfortable with me so he can get away with saying, or he thinks you know, he can. Right. right. But I'm taking notes, okay. you know, you know, there have been scandals that have been uh, built on smaller motives. It's not even, well. it's not scandals. Right. It's not scandalous. <laughs> I would, it'd be, it'd be more interesting if it was scandalous. He's like, oh, there should be a hyphen and matchup next, next time. Just FYI. And this like, is how Greg stupid. jokes around. He does the same thing with Brassy. I mean, uh, I think I really. I think Erica's <laughs> worried that it's like apathy is taking has taken over the relationship. Anything, and yes, I've got to tell you your spelling errors on your synop. You know, when you when you write our <laughs> podcast thing, and it looks like a twelve year old wrote it. I'm trying to help you out. Oh, I'm not sure she <laughs> wanted that in the show. Um, See, that's well, I don't write. I don't write the all of that 
all the time too. So I will uh, let the person that was wow, you us. you have shredded somebody hard. Good leadership. Well, I'm, Good leadership. What? I'm <laughs> another adult. I'm assuming. I'm taking the fall. Yes, I'm, but it is an adult piecing those together in your department. I didn't. Okay, imagine. you can write matchup without a hyphen. Like matchup is I've also. I've never accepted. said that once. I've never said matchup once. I just said capitalized week three. It was easy. Yeah, this is this is boring. <laughs> oh, it's fertile ground. <laughs> <laughs> Let's explore this next week. All right, so listeners, you could track track uh, this with you uh, as you listen as well. Let's just see how. <laughs> I'm this sure goes. they will be. <laughs> Keep Wes and I out of it, please. Thank you. No, I'm. You, we're all great, boys. I can't wait to go to go to London with you three. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> all right, and well, since I, I stuck my nose in your business, do you want to plug that podcast? Oh yeah, we're taping tonight the uh, Justin Lick and Rosenthal Vanity Project on on Apple Podcasts and all your whatever. You What's say. it called? The Throwback Podcast. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> With Dan Hanses and Bobcast John. The Human Sweat Glands is that? What, is that... <laughs> That's a good fantasy name. Wow. All right, let's get into it. Saquon Barkley has a high ankle sprain. Oh, the only thing worse than Liz Frank is the high ankle sprain. Uh, it, it's something that could linger, and and you never know. How bad it is. It could be something that costs you a few weeks. It could ruin your whole season. That's what we're talking about. And Saquon Barkley has that injury. Rap Sheet reported Monday that Barkley is expected to be out four to six weeks uh, because of the injury. Pat Shermer, uh, the Giants coach, later confirmed the injury, did not offer, uh, confirmed the injury, but did not offer a timetable for a return. And um, Greg, you're good at this insider wars stuff. Hmm. Uh, but notably, Adam Schefter, the ESPN version of Rap Sheet, uh, set the timetable uh, closer to eight weeks. I think he set it at four to eight weeks with the more likely scenario being closer to the uh, deeper end of the pool on that one, citing, like I just said, uh, the, the specifics of the injury. It's, it's a hard injury to get back from. Uh, yeah, I think I think NFL.com is saying that too. Uh, Tom Palacero, at least. Schefter uh, was, he was really hinting strongly that it wouldn't be till after the week 11 bye that we'd see him again. I also think that Giants and teams are strategic in the way they put these out there because they never want to put the player in a bad position where he comes back later than the timeline. So you. So, yeah, it is more likely. And if he comes back early, great. If I'm putting out a report, four to six as the reporter gives me less wiggle room than four to eight. Yeah. Four to eight, you, I, it, you have two more weeks to have been factually correct. And after watching the Giants offense for a second time, minus Saquon Barkley, that's, I'm not trying to delve into sacrilege here, take four to eight. Take some time. What? what is your point here? They looked fantastic without him. But they weren't running the ball. Uh, well, maybe we don't need to run I mean, the ball 600 look, times again. Wouldn't they look even better? I, again, I mean, I think he's a great player. I, it just was a very, very small sample size, but they got my blood flowing for the first time in roughly 900 to 1,000 days. Ah! <laughs> Flowing all over the place. Take whatever you will from it. Uh, I think four to eight weeks is cheating in the entire game. I don't think that's a, that's a look in the wow. mirror. Go tell, go tell Adam Schefter that he's... I mean, he seems well, like a nice doing guy. Job, I don't right? know him personally, but you either have to go four to six or six to eight. You go four to eight, you're hedging your bets. What if he was told four to eight? Wouldn't you go with what you were told? I'd say to that source, I need something a little bit more concrete. You're, this is a human body. That's though, what the yeah. zoo. The, the ATN insider is questioning yeah. Adam Schefter's insider ability. I go back to that guy. In fact, I go to the guy that told me 48 and I say, screw you, and I go find another source that can give me a better. 
That is what they would call Mm. relationship building. Who would have thought that Mark's uh, Giants are better off without Saquon Barkley would be the second hottest take of this segment? I'm just writing this down. I I think it's roughly predictable. (laughs) At the owners' meetings, I'm going to find Schefter and go, see that guy over there, Dan? He said that he's totally calling your bluff. When you're done with that, when you're done with Schefter, go find Jay Glazer. <laughs> Tell him that Dan said his mailbag sucks. You know what? In the well, I never said that. I just, See, Glazer, wasn't, wasn't, that's not the definitive mailbag. Glazer will come after you. At Schefter, I wouldn't. I feel like he'd be like, oh, he's very nice guy. Like Schefter, Glazer's he, a nice guy too. He just he's too confident it's, in himself and comfortable. He would just this just is, say, oh, that's that's probably his own issues. He's working out. I hope he feels better. <laughs> he wouldn't be right though. And it's also why Ian doesn't have any friends because in the insider game. <laughs> It's it's very cutthroat, and as a member of that game, I understand that I, I didn't come here to make friends. I came here to deliver the best news, the most accurate news uh, to the people. Wait, so you're saying that Ian's ploy um, to name his podcast Rap Sheet and Friends as a way to finally have friends? <laughs> I mean, it was a cry it was for a little, help. Yeah, it was a little... Can we just worse. say what it is, which is a cry for help? <laughs> Or it's a way to keep Mike Garofalo and Pelissero down. This I is, mean, uh, they're just and friends, please. Ooh. I like what Ian. If, Ian and I go way back, but we all know he doesn't. What have do you friends. got for John Clayton? You've thrown every other insider under the bus. <laughs> I got. I will say nothing about Clayton. Okay. I'll rip your heart out. <laughs> um, anyway, so Saquon's out. Uh, and finally, in the news, um, uh, let's say a prayer for Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I know we all come from different religious backgrounds, and some of us are practicing, and some of us aren't. But Jalen Ramsey is ill, and uh, it is no way connected to his trade demand because he wouldn't do that. Because he called the press conference last week and said, I don't want to be a distraction here. I don't know how this got out. I don't want to be a distraction. I want to be the best player I can for the, the Jaguars. But now he's ill, and he missed practice, and we don't know as of this recording, Mark, whether he has recovered from this unidentified illness. So all he can do is pray. Take out the rosary. Yeah, I mean, his focus is a laser focus. That much we know. And so this is something unforeseen uh, and certainly not premeditated on any level. No. I take it very seriously. Can't schedule the flu. Greg's like, but he played really well the last two weeks. <laughs> he has. Yes. Yeah, no, the only issue I have is with the whole, the way you issued the press conference. Because everyone was begging him them to have a press conference, he had no choice. They make they make you address the media. <laughs> well, that gets it's like the, that gets the in the team. way of the fun that we're having. That's at the, the team. Moment, Greg, the team, so. and that's what we want is him to do it. But it's it's all fun. No, it's all fun. And, no in season yeah. trade request, and you don't have a press conference. It sounds like the Jaguars, you know, don't do not want to trade him, which I I thought was significant. Or they can't get two first round picks. Well, well, it's I, not like their owner distinctly did right. Not want no, to I, trade. I think right. the, their owner coming on NFL Network on that afternoon before they play and making it very clear that he's not too interested in trading Jalen Ramsey was a significant uh, moment for him to say, "I'm the boss here." Uh, he he might have issues with his coach. I'm evaluating everyone. I don't really want to get rid of Jalen Ramsey at this time where I'm evaluating the guys that want to get rid of him. They might not be here a year from now. Fair enough. Hold on uh, to your butts, Doug Marone. Absolutely. That 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 could be a hot butt, too. Hold All right. on to your butts. Let's get into it. That's what's happening in the news. Yes. No doubt Samuel Jackson's most memorable line in any film ever. <laughs> Maybe the only iconic line of his that doesn't have a MF-er in it or an, mm. a, a swear word of some kind. 
Yeah, you're not wrong. No one's ever done it better than Sam Jackson, Hall of Famer. All right. They don't have a Hall of Fame for actors. I guess it's just winning Oscars. Walk of Fame. Yeah, yeah but that. you know what? They're pretty liberal about handing those out. I, I went out to dinner with uh, my podcast friend Bob the other day, and I saw Al Michaels has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which is awesome. Uh, but, you know, Al is a sportscaster. Oh, I mean, but he's in the – There's, I feel like he's in at least the – Middle class of who has those? There's there's a lot of bigger stretches than that than Al. Yeah, like I mean, he's been part of the number one show for a while, so I, yeah, he's a big. I love Al. Big I mean, big guy in television guy. history. All right, bad example, but there are a lot of people. If you take, he's like out- the third lead on. Um, <laughs> You know, that, that CBS show with <laughs> Melissa McCarthy and the and her husband, you know, has a star in the Walk of Fame. Take a walk on Hollywood Boulevard, and you'll be taken aback by some of the people that have that treatment. There are some low-level names. And that removes the luster from a Sam Jackson, who I'm sure has a star. Uh, there should be a, a well, you gotta higher pay, level. You've got to pay 50000 bucks to get a star or something like that. What? Which, which is like the most repeated fact that's annoying. But yeah, you have to pay for your own star. It's a, just a self-promotional thing. You have to be like chosen to be able to pay for it. But ultimately, you're a little douchey even to go for it. Maybe they should have a different street in Hollywood that's for the real stars. Wait, so like Harrison Ford had it. to throw fifty thousand dollars? I don't think someone? it's fifty, but you have to pay for it. Oh, yeah, for the upkeep too. Right. It goes toward the upkeep and everything. Well, a couple of them get you know regularly smashed. Yes, some <laughs> for good reason. All right, let's get into it. Uh, quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks, assuming to the starring role, starring role, Hollywood. Sam nailed it. Hold the fort, or. Hold on to your butts. All right, let's uh, start it off with Chris Wessling. Take one of these uh, young passers and let us know where you stand on them based on what you've seen so far. Well, to me, the most interesting one as of the brink of week four is the Steelers and Mason Rudolph because of, I I guess, the the weighty – Results for this year. If if they draft in the top five, they won't be able to get a, a quarterback of the future because the Dolphins have their draft pick. They need to win games, and I I don't remember the last time I've seen a game plan like this where it was just come out and throw tunnel screens to your receivers, the tunnel screens to nowhere that the defense saw coming, mm. and there was no offense whatsoever for a while. And this is his job's harder. I don't think he can he can't succeed in this offense until they fix the running game. And Greg has pointed out that they miss Mike Munchak on the offensive line. Mm. James Conner is the easiest runner in the league to bring down on first contact this is season. Is that bad? That yeah. is bad. Yeah, He's bad. not breaking tackles like he did last year. So that's a problem. And I think I think the offensive line knows, like, okay, it's on us now. We have to fix this running game or else Mason Rudolph has no shot. I don't think the offense looked great with Big Ben in there either. Right, and he is tough to. You can't unsaddle from Big Ben next year, contract-wise. That's a tough ask. And I don't. But but the the only thing I'd say in terms of more time needed is that they've talked about Mason Rudolph, which they didn't do with a lot of these other jabronis they brought in behind Big Ben over the years as their most likely potential quarterback of the future. They love his traits. He's size-wise perfect. He's got a big arm. And I kind of liked what he did in that first appearance when he came in in relief of Big Ben. Last week was a big step down against a surging defense. So I just want to see more. Even in that first appearance, which had you know eight or nine good plays, it was mostly all really easily defined one read. 
and that's not really playing quarterback as much as it's following coaching. Well, the weird thing is his reputation is his strength is going downfield and being aggressive. And in his first NFL start, he had the fewest completions that passed the line of scrimmage since Tim Tebow played. He had two. They were both touchdowns. So, you know, he made them count. But that's insane that it was the most condensed offense since the Tim Tebow era. Oh, watching the game, he he definitely seemed to get better as it progressed. The numbers tell you that with the two touchdown passes, even though Juju did most of the work on the first one. I'm definitely in the hold on to your butt zone on this one. Um, I was expecting a little bit more in week one. But I wouldn't say I'd be in a panic mode yet. I just think he needs more reps. He's he's green, right? America should be in a panic. They're in prime time for the next seven weeks. Well, that's against the Bengals, against the Chargers, against mm. the Dolphins on Monday Night Football. Can't mm. flex out of that. that. Opens up more time for hobbies that you might be interested it, on the side. And then uh, against the Browns on Thursday Night Football in Week Eleven. This is the biggest mm. hold Skip. on to your butts situation on this hold list. Hold on to your butts. Mm. I'm with you. It's a wild ride for the next what thirteen. 12 weeks. Or the whatever. draft book uh, aspect really puts so much on this. If this ends up being the number three or five pick for the Dolphins. That's... He needs help. He's not getting it from his receivers. He's not getting it from his line, and he's not getting it from his running backs. And this game plan wasn't giving him help either. Wait, if they, if they have the third or fifth pick in this draft, and they're not going to have it because they've given it away, but if they're in that position... I don't know who's going to be making picks for them or who's going to be coaching this team. There may be a major transition, and that changes everything for a quarterback that's already on the roster. I don't. None of us are college heads. Although, Mark, you're starting to really dig into it on Saturdays. What do you mean by dig in? Watching 14 different Division Two games. It's like I drove down a street and saw it through a window of a sports bar. But other than that, for roughly eight to I'm, I'm, I'm jumping in on this 2019 well, Tulane Green Wave. Oh. <laughs> just in time, Greg. I mean... Uh, That's like the only highlight I saw from last week. An this Green Wave wearing powder blue jerseys. I mean, you get a, a fake victory formation run and then a 63-yard touchdown to win the game. Uh, nice. Their first time on ESPN in like a decade. Please. Um, <laughs> Northeastern University, my alma mater up in Boston, discontinued their football program in 1998. So My alma mater, Huckapoos, made it to the flag football championship in 2011. Wes, how have you survived without a college degree? How have you made it? Uh, I think just bumbling around and landing. Pl- I, it's probably just riding Greg Rosenthal's shirt tails for a while. <laughs> Please. That's the way to succeed. All right, Mark. Give us what, oh so what is the verdict for you Wes? It's this is the biggest hold on to your butt in on the list. Hold on to your butt. This is the quintessential hold on to your butt situation. Okay, uh, Mark. I future wise looking down the down the line, I think it's a hold on to your butts with Gardner Minshew because like th- this is a quarterback that I know understand he's got the persona around him and he's getting more attention from most people because of the facial hair and the overly old picture of him with his you know, buttons down to his belly. Yeah, but- I mean, Will Brinson, come back to us. If you're going to put a photo out there on social media uh, and you're going to make people think it's him getting off the plane to play week two, well, that's misleading the public. Well, I did and not understand I that. I did one. not want that to happen there. I apologize for that. I, I, but you've got you and you put all this money into Nick Foles. And I can't think of someone that when they gave that contract out, it felt like 
we're the last team in the NFL that doesn't have an answer at quarterback. And we haven't drafted anyone. And the last guy we drafted and extended turned into a total debacle. So we're going to overpay for a quarterback in Nick Foles, who's been a great story. But there are durability issues that we've talked about every single time we brought up Nick Foles. And those played out again. And I realize you can't predict that stuff, but it has been part of his career. And Nick Foles on the field as an NFL starter is an unknown commodity. And with Gardner Minshew, what I would say at the very least, he's doing, if he comes in for the rest of this season and plays the way he's played, I think they he's a good match for John Filippo in that offense and they've opened up and given him trust to do a lot, to play aggressively. Every game he's made aggressive throws downfield and w- sort of shaken awake a wide receiving core that's been asleep for a long, long time. I like all that stuff. The last thing I'll say is if he's, he kind of gives me and he's a better quarterback than Colt McCoy, but a kind of person that is essentially right now ensuring that he can play in the NFL for the next seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years if he can give you this. He is giving himself a career. When Samuel L. Jackson says, hold on to your butts in Jurassic <laughs> hold Park, on to your mm-hmm. butts. he doesn't know that he's going to die. All he knows is that our lives are never going to be the same after this again. It could be. It I could don't think be he pop- dies in Jurassic Park. Yeah, that was Deep Blue Sea. I think, Classic. I think he dies, but they don't show it. I'm going to Google it. Because there was, an, there was a hurricane on the island of Kauai while they were filming, yeah. and they never filmed his death. To your point, though, doesn't know if he is or he's not. Yeah, wow. he doesn't yeah. know. <laughs> Deep knowledge. We don't know. So Gardner Minshew, something life-changing is about to happen for the Jaguars. They just don't know where it's going to go. Mm. There is a chance that Nick Foles never gets his job back. That's among the possibilities that could happen. Nick There's, Foles would understand that journey better than some other quarterback. Exactly. And there's also a chance that this saves the Jalen Ramsey era in Jacksonville. Maybe Minshew plays so well that Ramsey is persuaded to drop his trade request. He's going to need a lot of help from from the team around him, and he got it in week three. We'll see if that continues. I think the receivers are the least of their problems. Uh, you know, Chark and Conley have been a nice duo all three weeks. Whether the offensive line, whether the running game, you know, the defense has to be really good. He's been so composed. It. It's a little, it's not under the radar, but a sixth round rookie, it's wild for a sixth round rookie to come in and look so comfortable. And I do think the way that college offenses have changed and the NFL is kind of meeting them halfway, and especially these guys who are coming out of the Mike Leach system, Kyle Allen is different, but not so different. I mean, Kyler Murray certainly. Uh, they're ready to go, and I think the Jaguars are smartly like playing to Minshew's strengths. He hasn't like lit it up, but he's really been good avoiding mistakes, and he's really been good making drives when he needed to, including in Houston. I mean, that could have been a, a great moment. The drive that he led was awesome uh, if they had hit that two-point conversion. Uh, this from the January 18th, 2018 edition of The Hollywood Reporter. Sam Jackson's Jurassic Park character was originally going to die on screen. The actor says a hurricane ruined his planned trip to Hawaii to shoot the scene. So uh, the death is assumed, like you're saying, um, or presumed, but it's never, Wait a minute. On to your butt. it's never shown. Because they couldn't shoot it because of the schedule got jacked up by a hurricane. Should I be surprised? This isn't like some small independent film hanging on to a minor budget. This is Jurassic Park. That's what, fair. They couldn't find that, a way to shoot a this in a soundstage somewhere. It's a bad job by Spielberg. That t- that feels like an unbelievable anecdote. Yeah, but do we sure need that? True. Like he died. Like that's probably he what wasn't Steve the said. main. His death, you know, wasn't, I don't know. It just throws. It me. wasn't like Deep Blue Sea, where him getting eaten by the shark is essentially the point of the entire movie. movie. Yeah, is basically for that moment. You know, he's a minor character in Jurassic Park, right? Yeah, Sam Jackson. Oh, also, uh, <laughs> this from Ricky Hollywood. 
um, ironically, the Hollywood Walk of Fame star awarded in the year 2000. All right, throwing out there, Greg Rosenthal. Are you fact-checking me right now, Greg? I just see you instantly start typing as soon as you say yes, that. That's that's that is about. what he's doing. See? No. That's exactly uh, what I'm I, talking about. That's a really, yes, really strange thing. That uh, no, I was, happened four months ago. I was going to ask how much uh, the the Hollywood star costs just because I wanted to follow up on my own fact well, You've already thrown a number out there. Right, but I was just guessing. Uh, the current fee is $40,000. Hmm. Pretty good you guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a rough idea. I'd re- I've read it before. Are right. you up it for inflation from when you heard that story? <laughs> Who knows? All right, hold the fort or hold on to your butt, Greg. Throw somebody else I'm going to say that Kyle Allen can hold the fort. I mean, I love what I see. I don't want to react to two... NFL starts, but he was really composed against the Saints starters in Week 17 a year ago. I thought added value to them. He did his damage against Saints starters, and to me that counts in your first NFL start, whether the Saints had something to play for or not. And then, and then in this start, he added a lot to that Panthers offense. I mean, the throws he made on third and long a couple times where they had a huge blitz one time it's coming to his left, another time it's to his right. Even in the first drive, uh, Chandler Jones is on him immediately in what was essentially a busted play, and he was composed enough and knew where Greg Olson was going to be to put it up for Greg Olson to try to make a pay. Olson didn't on that play, but they did throughout the game. These were not regular, hey, it's your guy in your first start. Let's just count on him to get rid of the ball. He did plenty of that too. He made terrific plays on the run and looked as comfortable in that offense as possible. It looked like he'd been running it forever. So I think he can hold the fort. I want to overreact. He took command. I I liked when they were down inside the five-yard line and Greg Little, the rookie filling in at left tackle, had a false start. And he, Kyle Allen just threw the ball on the ground, disgusted with the left Mm. tackle. I mean, it was like, okay, what are we doing blowing up this chance to score? Um, I think the big question with him, the ball placement and timing were such a welcome improvement on the injured version of Cam from the first two weeks. There was This offense was in sync. The question is, how does he deal with pressure behind an offensive line that has been very hit or miss this year? And the left tackle, mm-hmm. Darrell Williams, who was injured during last week's game, has been a problem this year. thought I, they played great in that game, and he invited pressure a few times, but he did really great against pressure when it, when it did come. I got lucky because I had a great draft last week with the games I drafted. It created a very, uh, you know, a, a Sunday that fit together very well, and I got to watch the Cardinals versus the Panthers, the extended full broadcast versus condensed, which now chalks in in about 58 minutes. But I will say this, the Kyle Allen is the end of the spectrum of the quarterback that when he comes over to the sideline after a good play or a good drive or not, he's kind of one of the dudes and the guys around him are magnetized by him. He has that. And I thought on the other end, and I don't, it's not a shot anyway, Dan, at your Jets, but when they, put, when they did a disservice to put Trevor Simeon on Mike for that Monday night game and you got the quotes before the game, he's like, all right, guys, we're going to be good. We're going to be fine. Everything's okay. It was like, that wasn't this is, to anyone. that's not working. Right. But Kyle Allen, to me, was way, just one of the guys. About Trevor Simeon personally. I'm pulling ever. it out because yeah. it, it comes Trevor back into my mind like the, once a day that that was not the way I'd want to be as a quarterback. No. Kyle Allen was just one of the dudes and he feels like totally at home in play on field and on the sideline too. Hmm. I'll throw out Jacoby Brissett as an ultimate right now hold the fort guy. In fact, I think we used that exact language on Sunday when going over uh, their most uh, re- recent win uh, a game where who they beat again on Sunday? The Falcons. Falcons, yes. He 
completed his first 16 passes, looks so comfortable in this offense, and very rarely does you know all the hype around a player in this hype built very quickly immediately after Andrew Luck stunned the world with that retirement, um, which just rocked the Patrick Claibon barbecue to its core. <laughs> I mean, just shut the whole thing down. I'll never forget that. Yeah. That's it, a never forget moment. Poor Claymont. That's the Pearl Harbor of like bar- barbecue things. Like, you know, that, that's 11 um, I mean, it, it, now you'll remember the barbecue forever, though. So, may, I mean, you, you had your three hours. Well, that's what so I just said. Fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying it's yeah. not poor Claybon. It was epic. Good You've just pull. paralleled it to JFK's assassination in Pearl Harbor. Was it yeah, great? not in terms of like the, the impact it had on the nation and the world, but just one of those famous flashpoint moments. I know exactly where I was when it happened. And now you're thinking about Andrew Luck instead of the great shrimp that, that Claybon boiled. You know? <laughs> he had a whole shrimp boil, and Claybon probably is annoyed about it because <laughs> everyone was just talking about the Andrew Luck angle, and nobody was talking about all the trips he made to his boiler to cook up a delicious shrimp boil. Jacoby Brissett, 16 straight completions to start the game. Um, shows, oh, my point being that very rarely uh, do you get that hype about, oh, they're going to be okay because Jacoby Brissett, he's there. Oh, and the Colts are like, oh, we love him so much. You know how much we love him? We're ripping up his contract, and we're going to pay him like a borderline like franchise quarterback. And it was like, all right, Colts, calm down a little bit here. You don't need to do this right now. Well, guess what? he They look very smart right now because Jacoby Brissett is – more than a hold the fort guy. He's a potential mm. solution for them going forward. He's just 26 years old. And, um, and Greg, I knew it was a play call you loved uh, by Frank Reich. The uh, mm. play action rollout hit Jack Doyle to clinch the game on third and four rather than run it, run down the clock, and try to go up six with a field goal and ask your defense to get a stop against the Falcons team that couldn't be stopped in the second half. That play call is only made when a coach trusts his quarterback implicitly not to jack it up, and Jacoby Brissett is not jacking it up. He's doing the ap- opposite for the Colts right now. The inverse of hold on to your butts is stability. Stability, and mm. this Colts organization right now is all about infrastructure. They just they are rock solid and stable as it gets in that division. And Frank Reich, to me, that's why he's a hold the fort guy. He's not a hold you don't hold on to your butts because the the floor is so much higher with Frank Reich calling and designing the plays. Hmm. Yeah, it, it it helps. And I think you hit on the organization's trust in him. I mean, I think that's the way they run their team in general. They bring in Okareki to take over for Darius Leonard last week, and you, you're stuck with Zach Paschal being like your number one receiver at the end of that game. But they kind of trust in their coaching, similar to the Patriots a little bit, that, that they're going to be ready to go, and they, they have a great track record. And that helps Brissett, who I think's looked – about as good as I'm a big fan of his would have expected. Not any better. Like, I don't think he's wowing anyone, um, but I think he's just, he's a, a mid-level starter, which is not easy to find in the NFL. I, like, when I when they extended him, it didn't throw me just because they seem to truly believe in the guys they have. And there's a lot of these teams that throw out these self-prop-up contracts and extensions that we all can look at sideways and be like, you drafted this guy; he's not working out, and you want to make it look like he's working Portals, out. So, Sanchez, well, the, the Rams before Sean McVay did a little bit of that, where it was just like, "Look at us; we're we're extending our own draft picks, even though everyone else feels these guys are subpar." The Colts never hit me that way with Brissett because they've always talked him up. Uh, Wes, keep us rolling, baby. 
Danny Dimes. Oh, I think I know where this is going. The answer to this question means more to the Giants than any other team on this list. He's got to be. He's got to be the solution. He's got to build a fort. He's got to be. He's got to be hold on to your butt in a good way. I'm taking you for a ride. <laughs> and the I think the question for me is how much can we really know based on preseason and one start? Take Marcus Mariota for example who had just as much glowing praise written about his first August and then had a perfect passer rating and an even better debut than Danny Dimes happened in Nashville, so you didn't hear about it as much. But it's not guaranteed that Danny Dimes is going to go on and be the solution. But I think this is the best imaginable start for Giants fans. I have, you know, as a New Yorker, I have a ton of Giants fans that I, you know, my buddies back home that we text about sports and whatnot. And as you might expect, they're on fire right now. And my buddy Mark asked the question, is, was that the greatest debut uh, by a quarterback, a first start ever debut? And that's a loaded question. But I, the first game that came to mind for me was RG3 in 2012. Oh, yeah. That to me is always going to be like kind of the GOAT um, debut. Uh, but I was wondering if you guys had any other that come to mind that e- approach or surpass what – uh, Jones was able to do. I mean, Kyle Allen, if, if Sunday was his first start, that's right that's there. That's fair. He yeah. basically fair. pitched the perfect game. I think what what Dan, you're referencing specifically, though, also kind of the marquee nature of the like sending a notice. Right. And I think RG3, that's got to be the top of the list. I, but the juxtaposition of how destroyed the Giants were around drafting Daniel Jones and everything around everything they did with Eli Manning to have his debut – Shock Giant, not about Shock Giant, but please them and please us and change the way we think about the Giants in the course of four hours. That's about as good of a debut as that front office could have ever imagined in their wildest dreams. And a guy, and I'll take out the burn book on this, but a guy that was completely written off by so many people that follow this sport and cover this sport just because you didn't like what the GM was doing. Well, I think and I'm he, not throwing, right. I'm not slinging arrows in this room because it was it was a lot of people that were doing it, but he was completely disregarded as a prospect and a talent because the draft Knicks didn't think he deserved to go number six, and because people were annoyed with Dave Gettleman for what was a suspect offseason. But this proves why you have to hold your commentary until the guy plays, especially if you didn't watch him in college. Right? If which you're I know a, draft, a lot of people weren't watching. Duke if you're football. a draft analyst, a draft Nick. And you hated Daniel Jones as a prospect, and he and he works out. You just were really wrong on that. And I, I don't That's kill a pe- I don't kill people for having that opinion, which was I think the majority of it was people thought he was overdrafted, thought he was like a second round, you know, type of talent who was interesting but couldn't lift up a Duke team. But you know, sometimes the coaching that you get and the the, the poor teammates around you, kind of like you know, yeah, and- Carson Wentz was at North Dakota State. Yeah, I don't think that the Giants have escaped all criticism because of this. It's a really nice if this works out for them, but they've not done everything perfectly. I think it was like a, a learning lesson potentially for the Twitter mob. Well, there's a bunch of those that people have not learned from, so it might be right. the first Probably time they learn from a learning learn, lesson. But, but this is a prominent example of why you should not uh, knock a draft pick immediately uh, based I'm, on other things. I'm not talking the player. I'm talking the way the Giants have organized themselves over the past couple of years is a totally separate it issue. It was organized, but it, it raises an interesting question. I mean, we are as aggressively wrong about Daniel Jones as... I mean, about uh, a lot of things as people were about Daniel Jones throughout every season that we do this show. 
it's it's sort of part. I mean, it, whether you come, you got to come to terms with that or not. But it's just it's true. What my point is, it just when, happened when, to be everyone agreed on that. Wrong, yeah. for instance, on a player. Let's say I don't know. I came to mind Adrian Peterson going into last season, whether he could play anymore. And then you know we're right. writing him off. Wes says he could still play. We were wrong, but we were basing that on the people that were wrong in this room. What we had seen from him, his age, his offense he right. was in. We were basing it on knowledge that we had, and we just made the wrong call. Some of this Daniel Jones Jones stuff was just unfair. I mean, this guy That's got fair. booed out of Yankee Stadium throwing out the first pitch right. because the media and the fans got so worked up with the idea that the Giants couldn't get it right, and he just got right. sucked into it's the It's the same thing as Warren, you know, the Jets, you know, fans booing Kyle Brady when he was drafted. Like, it, it's just, in this case, the Giants look like they're going to be right about Kyle Brady. Well, uh, the, the flip side of that Adrian Peterson conversation was that I – did the same thing with Joe Flacco and was dead wrong about him. But I think Don't be so sure. the key point is, are you doing your research and putting in the effort to have that opinion? That's the it's good coming point. from an honest place. That's a good point. And it's hard, to, it's hard to fault people who are doing the work and then trusting their eyes because that's the whole job description. If you're an analyst or if you're anybody who talks about the sport, do the work and trust your eyes I, I would, and don't say something phony. I would suggest that everyone on Twitter – is doing their research and trusting their eyes. Yes. <laughs> All right, uh, Mark, we have a couple more. You want to throw another one out there? Well, we how, how does Teddy Bridgewater, can we, can we squeeze him into this exercise? Sure. Yeah. I, sure. My thing with Teddy Bridgewater, because I think what a lot, the, one of the links here is these guys are young and their career is ahead of them and we don't have a lot to base anything on. With Teddy Bridgewater, and you know, Wes, you made the point that you feel like he's just not who he was before the injury. And it's, it kind of feels like, how could you say he is? We're, we're not getting the same player. And so you, there's total empathy for the journey that he's had to go on. And, and it's like this player that I totally root for. But these other guys that when I watch Daniel Jones again today and I watch what he did, like I just don't get it. it I remember when I was in a, on high school football team and on basically just sort of stacking numbers, get that five foot seven kid out there and put him out there for practice. But we had this kid come in and play quarterback from another city, and he was like a real football player with right. a bust of forget the rest of us. And like from the first practice, he started to throw the ball. Our offense changed, and everyone we were like. 13, 14, 15 years old, we all knew that something was different. I just don't feel that way about Teddy Bridgewater on any level right now. And he's perfectly fine to, I guess, hold the fort until Breeze gets back because I don't know what else they're going to do. I would rather see Taysom Hill, though. Like, curiosity is much higher to see the other quarterback on the roster. We don't hear game manager in today's NFL as much as we did a decade ago. But that's what the Saints want Teddy to be, is just manage the game don't mess up. Let our offensive playmakers do this. Let our defense and special teams help and hold the fort until Drew Brees. I think they're going to need to add some elements as this goes forward. How it worked out Sunday was perfect. I mean, similar to Rudolph, he barely threw the ball past the you know five, ten yards. I think there's only two throws over ten yards in that game. Then again, he he got the job done. He's only he's a month younger than Brissett. He's 26 years old. So I I do think there's a chance that Teddy Bridgewater. The story of him coming back is is a great story. I mean, even if he just wins some games and he is a good backup, like that's a great story. Uh, but I think there's a chance that he has more to do in his career. Uh, he just hasn't he hasn't shown it yet in this comeback. Wes, close this out. Josh Rosen. Mm. 
Hold on to your butts or hold the fort. I think he's he's a hold on to your butt guy. <laughs> yeah. We don't, <laughs> we don't know what he is because he hasn't played behind a real offensive line in the NFL yet. I have not been impressed with him. I know Greg has seen some throws he really likes. There's been some great throws, but it's I, just wild. It's a I, wild ride. I, I can envision other quarterbacks in those situations playing better than he has. Certainly you could play worse, too. I just haven't seen enough from Josh Rosen to say, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to be a starter someday. I, I don't, I, I'm not there yet with him. No, I agree with that. I mean, what, how can you see anything with him? I, I agree. It's, he's, he's so screwed. He's impossible to evaluate. He's titanically screwed, and we've talked about this, so we don't have to delve into it, but he was in an all-time crap offense last year in Arizona. He gets quit on and sent to Miami, who might be the worst team of all time, a team that is actively tanking so they could pick the guy who would play over Josh Rosen. So he has no future in his current location, but he's under contract. Uh, I don't know. What is the best case scenario for Josh Rosen that somehow he gets out of Miami and maybe lands with a team... I don't know that in a Case Keenum type situation, he's certainly not going to be handed a starting job based on these two years. It's his luck. Maybe reemerges as a starter a couple it's years take from now. Time. Get it's, through the season healthy and don't have that ten right. couch shoulder he's, injury and have some throws. I mean, if if they hadn't dropped some of his deeper throws, his numbers would look better. He's made some great throws and he makes some crazy decisions. He seems like a little bit right now too wild of a ride to trust as a starting quarterback. But he's playing better than Ryan Fitzpatrick played for them. I mean, it's, it's, unprecedented. it's worth it. I don't point. even know if that's true. It's unprecedented. He's, he's a also num- 22. He's a number 10 overall pick who has never been given the chance to develop. And maybe he never will. He's 22. So I think he's going to be in the NFL a long time. And I think what Mark said is right, that he's going to have to fall or get into a, a better situation. And who knows? That might be in three years. I don't know. Do we put anything in? I, we don't, I don't know. The, the one thing that annoyed me more than everything else is everyone killing Josh Rosen, the person, when they didn't know him. And so I don't want to do that at all. But when I see a team totally go 180 on him after one season in one organization and the second organization he's with, despite not really having a fair read on him, is heat seeking another quarterback. It, it, well, suddenly you're on your third team, and I, do, I don't know what the personal experience of the quarterback behind the scenes is. If you remember, Charlie Casserly, NFL Network's own, made a lot of headlines uh, over the offseason where he cited a, a source that said that you know, he had Rosen had so much work to do to be a, a pro and get to the facility earlier, be that. And talking to Charlie when he was on our show a couple of weeks ago, before the show, we actually didn't talk about it, but apparently those same that same type of heat is still connected to him based on the people Charlie Casserly is talking to. So that could be it. Maybe maybe part of the issue is that he's never going to be that real grinder behind the scenes. But my point being, he's, he's just not getting a real Or who chance. knows? He's 22. Know. He's like at this yet. point, you know, there's been a lot of NFL greats that were not not and not saying he's going to be an NFL great, but I, I guess I'm just leaving room for him to be a different person and player when he gets older. At this point, like Brett Favre was almost drinking himself out of the league. It's a totally different situation. You could see him wind young. up on the Patriots. I know we don't like to throw everyone to New England in a totally just or just somewhere fill in the blank totally stable situation and emerge two or three years from now as someone that starts 14 games and looks totally different. It, he's undergoing like what David Carr went with the Texans when they were an expansion team and then the next year also undergo what Tim Couch went through while he was with the Browns in an expansion team. You just don't see quarterbacks have to do this earlier in their career. All right. Um, Good chat. Let's move on to Thursday night football. Uh, Week four spinning forward a great game. I don't know. This might be a West Manor game. 
I don't know. Let's talk about it. The Philadelphia Eagles in a tough spot. The invite is out there. You're all welcome to join, including Erica, of course. That we might need that. We might need a little kumbaya. Thank you, guys. Backyard gathering. Mm. I think I'm flying back to Boston. My grandma's not doing too well. Oh, oh, so I'll say that. hello. Um, but thank you for including me. Appreciate it. Well, uh, best wishes to grandma. Thank you. Um, the Eagles are one and two, and just rotten luck. You're one and two. You're banged up as all get out. I'm bringing that back, too. I like it. Uh, and what do you got? You got a short week now. And... Oh, you have to go on the road, and you're against the Green Bay Packers, who are three and zero and seem to be figuring it out on offense. And we know uh, Gutekunst is locked in on defense with mm. the MJ shoulder shrug. Uh, the, so a very tough game here, Greg, for the Eagles, who are trying to get healthy but now have to face a juggernaut outside their building in prime time on a short week. Yikes! Got some good news that Alshon Jeffrey appears to be. All systems go to at least try to play this game. He was he was at practice on Tuesday, so that that's big. We'll see if Dallas Goddard's back. They are going to be without Ronald Darby, who was struggling, but sounds like he's going to be out a little while with his injury. So they're, they're still very banged up. I think this is a winnable game, though, because I'm not sure that the, the Packers' offense has turned it around at all. I haven't seen it. There's no rhythm there. It's interesting that they've probably had a worse three-game stretch offensively. If if you if we had research do this, and I thought about it, but it just felt mean. You know, they they got a lot to do. Then any three-game stretch of the Mike McCarthy era that Aaron Rodgers started. The same Mike McCarthy that people <laughs> slaughtered. Including me. I did two too. Two or three years as being so behind the curve that they were holding back Aaron Rodgers. But football is a team game, and they are winning, and I think that matters. And who knows if they were behind in these games, it, it'd be everything... Uh, could be different. But right now, most of their plays are off Aaron Rodgers making a just kind of like a great throw or they went tempo a little bit in last game or he's improvising. And there's there's, you know, they're they're 29th in yards and 26th in points per drive right now. I would just say it's the best thing you could have imagined that if your offense was going to need half a year to get up to speed, that we're seeing a Green Bay Packers defense that We've never been together and watched them play this way, where Mike Pettin and Kellen Moore are going week to week in the battle for assistant coach of the year. I mean, Mike Pettin is re- you're resuscitating no your longer career. The conversation. I mean, it's only three weeks through the season. Bowles just got flamed like, by Daniel Jones. It's kind of like, can we save the MVP articles uh, for a little later? All yeah, right. This is the real race. But I, I, they, and I, it, I guess if you're Aaron Rodgers, he glowed about the way the offensive line kept him safe last week against a Broncos team where you could have thought you're going to get whacked five or six times. They played great. No sacks. And the Broncos have their own issues on defense. But the Eagles didn't sack Car- or Matthew Stafford last week either. And I they're banged up on defense. One of my new Monday routines after I read Greg's debrief article, Mike Sando of The Athletic has a nice weekly article. And he pointed out this week, the Packers have already held more opponents under 17 points in the first three games than they did all of last year and all of the year before. Mm. Um, teams win 87% of the time over the past decade when their opponents fail to reach 17 points. If you can do that, you're going to win. And so far, the Packers are that defense. Run defense uh, for the Packers hasn't been great. It hasn't been exposed too much because, I mean, it hasn't hurt them that much. They've given up big numbers. So may- maybe the Eagles can... Try to get something going. They haven't looked too great on the ground. Miles Sanders made some big plays last week, but also made 
you know, some big mistakes. But this is a situation, the Packers defense, where I think the DBs are making the pass rush look better. They're covering so well that they're letting that wild man, Zadarius Smith is winning wild man of the year. Well, that's I don't know if that's an award. Too soon. But give it to him. He's wild. Too soon. Let it play He's out. crazy. He's, yeah. He was named a captain, you know, within weeks of joining that team. And you could just, him and Savage are tone setters. You bring those two guys in, and it's just like the whole defense are a bunch of dogs. The only thing I'd say about the Eagles is it's, I get it, they're one and two, and they, people are, their, their hair's on fire over what's going to happen to the team. But it's like they are one catch away, a Hail Mary last week on the two or three yard line, and say that J.J. Arcega Whiteside. Artega. Artega, Whiteside, flips around and rolls into the end zone. They are the magical team from last week. And they in the week before, Zach Ertz, a yard shy of converting and then potentially winning that game too. I mean, it's... Don't forget I, about the Nelson Aguilar drop. They, they had a lot that of weird stuff happen. And like, Eagles football. fans were booing them at home last week. <laughs> I get it. It's been a rough start, but... I don't worry about a one and two Eagles team. I don't, not yet. Artega Whiteside, though, is kind of, I mean, their yeah. receivers have hurt them. He's played 132 snaps. He has seven targets, two catches, 14 yards. That is a sinkhole. Well, they had five drops last week. No teams had more than five in a game. I mean, Wentz was not helped. All right, power rank, Wes. It's a tough game to pick. Okay. Power rank your Monday morning reads. Uh-oh. Sando, Rosenthal, Peter King, Barnwell. Well, I'm really Monday at late Greg. afternoon. I'm just Greg. telling you the truth. Well, okay. Monday reads. Greg is my favorite of of those articles. Okay. Also, person. Uh, Greg number one. Okay. Albert Breer number. You buy two. that, by the way, Mark? I don't even buy it. I'm not person get part. I'll buy. I'm not, I'm not getting involved. Greg's Greg does a better job of recapping what's going on the field than yeah. any of these guys who also mix in off the field stuff. Breer number two for me. I, right. I really He concentrates a lot on what's going on on the field. Peter, Peter King is last because when Ooh. I read him, I read everyone else in his tone of voice, and I'll be stuck halfway through a Breer article, <laughs> and I'm thinking I'm reading King again. Mm. Oh, that's kind of a compliment to, to King. I mean, King's I the guess, goat of right? Monday morning. The Monday morning quarter. I, I mean, I'm Monday he's late been in afternoon. Your football mind for that long. <laughs> I read Peter King for his reporting, not his analysis. Mm. All right. Well, now all we have left is Sando and Barnwell. Going to fill this out. Uh, this I, is a ridiculous. I like exercise. reading Barnwell. Why are we going so long on this show, too? Look at this. I like <laughs> reading Barnwell. I think Mike Tanier right. is in there some Mondays. Tanier. Mike Tanier. Tanier. Yeah. Yes. T a n i e r. Monday is probably my biggest reading day. Good. Makes sense. Well, the, the also the one fact we haven't mentioned even is uh, the emergence of Jamal Williams, Green Bay Packers, as a veritable personality in this NFL. Let's listen to him. <laughs> I feel like a mermaid and everybody else like dog swimming. You know what I mean? So I'll be feeling like I'm just fluent out there. So I think it's the rain. I feel like SpongeBob. I mean, I don't know what that is, but I like it. How many other teams have mermaids? Sounds like he's been in West bats. Manor for a couple hours on he, Thursday He was night. talking about playing in the rain. I, he's a mermaid. There was more to that. He said mermaid. That's good. I saw, you should check out the video of that quote. You can find it on Twitter. It's, it's pretty interesting. Um, all right. We'll be back on Thursday with our week four preview episode. And then later Thursday, our Thursday night football recap mini pod. And then Sunday the flagship show, recapping all the Sunday games of week four. So that's what it's all about. That's the total layout. All right. Greg, we're going to end the show now. Yeah. Having a nice time talking to our friends, and you're trying to shut the show down. 
I'm just noticing the has trend on, on Tuesdays. For the mailman, the boss. Plus you're making Ricky a Hollywood. rank. Get well colleagues. soon, Ricky's grandma. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 